0: I have this curious question that sits in the back of my head. Um, a elite, if we go back to athletes, right? We're, we're athletic, but we like to think about elite athletes or elite performers. How often has a rigid approach to one's goals actually capped one's potential? Yeah. Because I, I gotta say, every now and then I'm curious. I'm like, yeah, you got there, but I think you had more in the tank, but you were rigid.
1: All right. Welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Path Distilled.
1: And we have a special episode for you today. We're going to have a conversation instead of a single guest. And today we have two guests. Our first guest is Dr. Adam Naylor. He's a lead consultant for Telosport sports psychology and a principal at primary leadership development. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. And our second guest today is Olympic gold medalist, and you've heard him talk before on our previous episode. I encourage you to check that one out. And he's a Joe Jacoby. He's a performance coach. And thanks again for joining us. It's an honor to be here
3: today. Thank you so much for having me back.
1: Of course. And so this is going to be a conversation with a the theme of goal setting. And so there's some debate on in the academic literature, and as well as some the general population conversation on. The importance of goals and how to get them set up for yourselves. And so we'll start with uh, our expert, uh, Lauren Tashman. And, uh, <laughs> the, she's going to be one of the guides and I'll be asking dumb questions throughout. So.
2: <laughs> there are no such thing as dumb questions when it comes to goals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to chat with you all today. I um, know we've been talking about this for a while and I know that we've had conversations together before about goals and maybe what I would view as from myself my kind of radical viewpoint it seems like at times on goals so um uh thought to get us started since we have this theme on the podcast of really trying to bring stories to people's ears that maybe you could both get us started with a story that comes to mind about goals
0: sure you or me joe where are we going you go first
3: my friend oh
0: man you know and, and as lauren says her her radical approach to goals i start to worry because when you say goals i start to feel like alan iverson saying we talking about practice it's like for god's <laughs> sakes we're we talking about goals like are they actually that important so for me i feel like you know I, you know I, i'm a philly guy so i i miss that i appreciated that so i feel like we might head that way i guess I have so many stories right so trained in sport and performance psychology you, you're taught goal settings like day one it's like set goals or else it's like your mother telling you to clean your room um, and I think you have to evolve and learn about it as you grow through your career and again I think I could have many stories but I think one stands out to me which maybe seeds this conversation and it might have been God, yeah, it might have been a decade ago now and as my careers evolved, um, as, as we spoke before the episode started, I'm pretty good at raising my hand, saying yes to stuff. People will see me speak in a sport context or use me I go, oh, I could use you for my business. So I could use you for X, Y, and Z. And I was invited into um, a VA clinic, the um, Veterans Affairs Clinic here in the Northeast. I live up in the Boston area. And um, I, I'm trying to recall how the, the leader of the clinic found me. Um, I think it was through some soccer talk I'd done, you know, way back when, or football for those of you in Joe's part of the woods. Um, and she said, "We've been asked to set goals and keep closer track of goals in the VA clinic. Can you come in and talk to us about this?" And I didn't know what I was going to step in. I really didn't. And it was me in a room of doctors. So I, I try and be quite humble. I might have got got my doctorate in sports psychology, but you know, these are medical doctors. They, they know stuff. They must know something about goals. And they spoke to how goal setting was being employed in this setting. They said, it doesn't really feel like we're doing it right. I'm like, okay. And we had a conversation. I can, you know, we'll probably get into elements that I probably mentioned that conversation. Um, But we got to the end of it and they said, it feels like goals are so powerful. And we're using goals just to keep people accountable, which seems like we're not getting the meatiness out of them. It seems like we're wasting our time on them. And I know part of that conversation I had with them was, you know, I always went, I always go back so often to Damon Burton's chapter way back when in advancing sports psychology like called it, the Jekyll and Hyde Nature of Goal Setting, which says goals can be totally useful and just totally a waste of time depending on how they're done. And they were speaking to me, going, I think we want to get behind this, but the way we're being asked to do it, we're not getting much juice for the squeeze. And we've got to figure out how to do that. And to me, that is really my take on goal setting, how we view them. I think we don't get a lot of juice from the squeeze for how it's almost been a uh, goal setting has been either bastardized, bastardized or made incredibly rigid by kind of, um, what would I say? You know, I might get in trouble for this MBA programs, you know, set your smart goals, make it rigid, make people accountable. And you're not getting the meatiness out of it, that psychosocial emotional piece. And we saw that it was incredible awareness on their part because God, they could have gone years just playing the goal game and -hmm. felt dissatisfied and found no benefit. So I I guess that's my starting story. I I think that's more common than we even realize out there, but people usually can't put their finger on it as well as this audience did.
2: It'll be interesting to come back to that because I've heard a lot of people now talking about accountability, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as we've moved, you know, because of the pandemic to this work from home world, a lot of people like accountability, accountability. And so I think what you're talking about there is going to really be popping up soon for people about our goals being kind of done in the right way. And into that, Joe, what's your story?
3: Well, what I, my, I guess, apprehension about goal setting really comes back I remember going to my first workout on the Potomac River when I was 13 years old. And, and I think I've told the story on this podcast before that I wasn't just going to a workout. like I was going to a workout at one of the highest performing training environments in the history of whitewater canoeing. And everyone was a world champion. Everyone was a world medalist. And as I started to paddle with this group a little bit more. only There were two world champions in this group. And only one of two things could happen at this workout, either John Ludbill was going to kick my butt or David Hearn was going to kick my butt, you know? And I just, like, who was I to set goals? Like, what good was it really going to do? Like, I I was not even in, I mean, I loved being on the water with them, but I, I wasn't in the same game as them. And I was just, I just, at a young age, I just had to figure out other reasons than just like, oh, I could be really good at this one day. And I think that was actually really helpful. And then the funny thing is, is that even after my I switched to the doubles canoe and I started paddling with Scott, even going into as our sixth year paddling together, going into the Olympic year, uh, there was a doubles canoe team from France and a doubles canoe team from Czechoslovakia. It was one country at the time that were just dominating the circuit. These two were winning gold and silver medals in every World Cup race. And then once again, it was just like, who were we to be setting these, you know, kind of goals? Like, oh, we're going to win the Olympics, you know? just didn't, I never felt right. I could just never make peace with, with that. And it just kind of really pushed us into this, well, we have to do the, the, the best we, we can do. I mean, that's, you have to figure out what the controlling the controllable parts are of the equation. And I think to back this out for a moment, you know, as I sit here in this conversation with, you know, Adam, who is an incredible mentor to me in in, in my coaching, and he challenged me when I was training to be a coach at Valor to write some reflection papers where this conversation about goals became very interesting. And at the same time, I was sort of confiding to Adam a little bit about my fit within Valor because there were these really smart, academically trained people, people like yourself, Lauren. And then you came into valor, Lauren, and I actually remember reading on, in our Slack channel one time about your, you actually said like, I wasn't, it was a message along the lines of, um, I'm not sure about the goal thing, or I sort of I, I need some venting <laughs> on this, and I'm just like you're probably making
2: of, it sound nicer than I actually wrote it.
3: <laughs> no, but but the, but the, but this is sort of my point. Even in sort of finding my own fit as a coach in this way, and the way I kind of worked with Adam, it was like like I knew you were someone I was going to have like a really interesting conversation with, and someone that I would really enjoy speaking with, and like even those stories that I just I told you, like that's my background. It, was, it started off with this who was I to set goals? And I think it's evolved into something much more than that for me that we can kind of dig into in this conversation.
2: Yeah, it's funny. You're both bringing up uh, a lot of good things you could dig into. For me, I think when I started thinking about this was when I was in grad school and it just never made sense to me how in sports psych we focused on goals. I I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So like, how am I I have I don't even know. I can't I I was an equestrian show jumper and now I'm having to work with diving and soccer and softball. I don't know anything about those sports in the sense of what their goals should be and all that. To me, it was always more about my job is to help people leverage mindset, right? And then so the, the question about goals is well, how do we help people do that? And what role do goals play in that process? And like me thinking that, and then reading this stuff, you know, about smart goals and performance process outcome, I was just like, I just don't get it. Cause I would go into work with, you know, teams and athletes and I'd ask about their goals. And of course, what are they going to say? We want to win. <laughs> we want to get to the championship. Like what else would they say? And of course you learn, you know, the nuances of how to ask the question better, but that's when I really stumbled on this kind of interesting, Uh, what I felt like was like radical viewpoint at the time on goals because it just the whole smart and and those things just never resonated with me and I could never understand how it fit into what I was supposed to what my role was supposed to be
1: I'd have to say from my perspective it's almost as mind-boggling not to have now in the way you've described it those macro goals do seem too generic to be useful but I can't process the uh The idea of having, if you don't want to use the term goals, performance metrics or goalposts that you're trying to get to without specifying the steps along the way. So, maybe for the listener as we move along, unpacking those subtleties might be helpful because um, if you're, you know, I guess the process goals, the outcome goals, and all those things are academic considerations. But in in the layperson's terms, um, if I'm you know, needing to swim a certain distance or bike a certain distance or shoot a certain number of shots, would those qualify as at least micro-level goals? And it could be to anyone on the panel, but uh, like how would one gauge success and or progress without at least those micro-level goals?
0: Yeah, I I, I don't mind jumping in for a sec and pulling back. I think it might add to a little bit what Joe said because I do remember those journals and reflections Joe shared with me. I remember looking at them and saying, no, no, Joe, you had goals. They just weren't the crap we usually put out there. And yeah, I hope I can use that word on this podcast, right? Because, like, <laughs> I think that's the challenge, right? This, this word goal has been so hijacked that I think we've lost its purpose or its meaning sometimes. And I, this is an indirect answer to your question, Kevin, because I think sometimes we go, what are the stuff I want to accomplish? And to me, it can be rigid. To me, it can be, I think Lauren alluded to it, well, duh, right? I remember a great article by Gloria Balagiu. I think it was in the late 90s. She talked about Olympians and goal setting. And she said, the goals of sport are obvious. You're supposed to win stuff. So why the heck are we walking around setting? Like, like we know that. And I always say the, those outcome goals, I also call the captain obvious goals. Like I, I've teased many and Athan. go, thanks a lot, captain obvious. Tell me a little bit more what you're talking about, Kevin. Is how will we get there? Right? But I think that takes a lot of effort to learn how to talk about the hows and think about the hows. And what I think, and I'll pivot to the panel in a second. I don't want to steal all the airtime. I always pull back, I would argue, I quite often do goal setting with people, but it never looks like goal setting. I can't recall last time I gave someone a goal setting worksheet. Now I feel like in grad school, you you gotta give someone a goal setting worksheet. Um, And if I were to, I'd say, you're supposed to stink at it the first time. You're supposed to be okay at it the second time. You're supposed to get it by the end of the year. To me, learning how to goal set is probably a year long process from what you're talking about, Kevin, because it actually is a skill. And to me, I always get back to the basic essence of the skill. When I think from a mental, emotional performance standpoint, the purpose of goals at their best are to improve the quality of our focus and allow us to feel the way we want to feel. So I often pull back and I won't even use the word goals because I think the G word gets people to go towards their schema. Okay. They go, hey, so what's something you hope to do well in the upcoming competition? And then I'll put it on a couple um, rubrics. I'll say there's three things when you state that I hope it does. I hope it's reasonably specific, right? Because it's a lot easier to aim towards something that's not vague. I hope it's phrased positively. And I'm going to like the basics of sports psych, right? Anyone that's heard it. Phrased positively. Why? Because we, Are people, as humans, we like images and emotion, right? So if it's phrased negatively, that's the image we have in our head. So did you make the effort to go, I would like to, if you're a golfer, put it on the green. At least I see green and have a fighting chance. And then, right, we always hear control what you can control, but I don't think we realize why that's important. Is it reasonably within your control? And that's not to turn us into control freaks, because I think that's the problem with that line in this day and age. People become control freaks. Yep. We want to focus on things we can control, so we have a, our stress gets to the right spot, right? So I say, are we focusing on things that allow us to be energized, filling our mind's eye with something we enjoy and is useful? Kind of Joe's story, right? He, I know Joe. Joe focuses on getting down the river well like his mind is filled with with the feel of the river and i can't even do it justice joe but when you talk about kayaking it's like i get it right I, I get this feel it's not about the finish line it's about this feel and how you're communicating with the other person in the boat and then that idea of is it within my control it allows me to strive towards it so to me i start there and then grow from there kevin because i think so often it's like we start doing the checklist and A, it bores the hell out of people, and B, it didn't engage emotions or focus. So I think it's useful, but I think it's a skill to be developed. And and maybe this is where Lawrence goes. It's been hijacked too much by society sometimes for um, lesser ends that don't serve our purposes as well as they could. Whew. Wow, there we go. There's my soliloquy on <laughs> where to start.
3: I think one of my questions, I suppose, for uh, for the three of you, I, again, I'm and, I, and I'm just gonna put you guys in the category of having been, you know, really well studied in the area of, of sports psychology. I just sort of share these stories and experiences. I, I don't have the the academic context, but so here's my question for you, and I don't think it's talked about enough. There's the goals, and then my observation there's with top performers in canoeing. There's the letting go of the goals. Mm-hmm. I guess my point is I am sitting at my table here in La Salle de literally looking at the Olympic start line of the 1992 canoeing course. I can see it right out my window. And my point is, is that you need the, I, always, I call this the problem with goals, is that whatever, whether it's a color of a medal, whether it's a certain amount of money, whether it's the house on top of the mountain or on the beach, this energy that goes into the things that we don't have is energy that is not going into what we can control today and how can we get how can we put the most amount of attention presence focus and energy into what we have today i don't know how else to do it without letting go of the goal but i mean where where does that come into the conversation
2: I love it because I think you're both kind of speaking about similar things, right? To me, that's the most powerful thing about why we get this wrong. And it was a few years ago that I stumbled upon this article, and I'm not sure if it's been published. I just found it on the internet. Obviously, the intent was to be published somewhere called Goals Gone Wild. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, exactly. You know, we have this like need for simple and repeatable and so we just put out this stuff and then everybody wants to grab it and use it to me the most interesting thing about goals is the individual difference part and the situational you know and contextual intelligence part like what am i what am i trying to do it's funny because i think it was two years ago i was asked by um asked the association of applied sports psychology and to put together this little video on goals. I was like, "Oh no, do you are you, you know who you're asking? You want me to put together a video on goals for the new year? I don't know that you're asking the right person." <laughs> but I used this GPS analogy of, you know, trying to get around New York City. If I have a particular destination I'm trying to get to, then sure, I should probably have a plan of how to get there. If I have a particular time that I want to get there, and you know this kind of more finite thing right and I should probably plan for contingencies because getting around the city isn't always as easy subways you know different things right but what if that's not the goal what if I'm you know maybe trying to go eat somewhere and I don't want to pick a particular place mm-hmm. I just want to walk around and see where it takes me and that's yeah. actually the goal right and I, so I think that gets to a little bit to your point Joe is like To me, the most interesting thing that we have to figure out first is like, what am I actually trying to do here? And then from there, start to craft in the consideration of the person, Mm -hmm. the situation, the focus, all those things about. Okay, then how should this be set up?
0: I'm gonna throw a thought out here. I want to pivot back to Kevin from what you both said. Um, And I guess maybe this ends up. So I always think about when we use words, what images are put in everyone's head, right? So I think that's part of the reason I just getting rid of goals. Because in some ways, this is what I think I just heard from all three. I think, one, it makes sense to have a reasonable plan. And a reasonable plan might be no plan for some things. Mm -hmm. And for learning, there might be a reasonable plan, right? So, Kevin, we talked about what would I like to learn over time? So, there's a reasonable plan. but we set a reasonable plan. I like that word reasonable because I think so often we talk about all these things, even all the things in sports psychology, do yourself, talk to your MJ, It becomes rigid. And I don't know about any of you, but rigidity actually doesn't perform well. Rigid is robotic. I don't want my robot, you know, kayaking down a river. Not going to work. I'll take Joe Jacoby over a robot any day in a boat. No doubt. But then, so after we have a reasonable plan, we need to get present. And that's the dance, right? And that's what Joe is really saying is, for God's sakes, are we getting stuck outside at the finish line around the metal? Are we get letting ourselves to get present and emotionally present and be present? But the challenge is that feels so darn intangible. I think as humans, we want our certainty. Well, what is be present? Tell me how to be present. It's like, no, no, it's freaking be present. And, and I think Joe's so good at, he's better articulating than me. He did a lovely job there. So I'd maybe say we're talking about reasonable plans. And for God's sakes, get present whatever that means.
2: And the present piece is hard, right? Like, I I think it was uh, Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus that wrote about this on their growth equation, you know, that we, uh, because we're goal-directed as humans, we're always, as we're pursuing a goal, we're always trying to figure out, like, am I engaged with the goal? Am I disengaged with the goal? How am I doing relative to the goal? So it just tries to steal our attention, right? And the more important something is or uncertain it is, then we're trying to think about, like, well, where are we to that? But that's the challenge, you know, I, I don't know about both of you, but I've worked with so many perfectionists that goals are like the devil for them because there's just this hard and fast line and image to your point, Adam like, this is how something has to be, this is how this has to be. And then when it's not like that, what happens? They struggle.
1: I just have to add, I'm kind of catching up from conversations that have been had in the past, but it's starting to piece together now. I think the, um, for me, because I've been so entrenched being working in Erickson's lab with already being at the place that Adam is talking about trying to start with, what are the incremental steps? And he using the, the language of a plan versus a goal might be helpful for the listener to make that distinction because I've never started a goal necessarily with well, I'm not envisioning someone starting with Olympic medal being the goal. I'm envisioning someone walking up to the kayak for the first time and saying, okay, I'm in the kayak, I'm in the water. Now what? And so that's kind of the approach or the starting point I'm coming from, um, particularly with the path that one would take from the beginning. So it sounds like a lot of the conversation is related to performance coaching and the high level performers already. And so if you could go back, for example, Joe, to, Your first time in a kayak or whatever the vessel that you—I don't know if it's a different vessel and what you did—but what was that early approach like? Was it? Can you just remember that or describe it?
3: Well, I I, in my own case, I mean, I I remember the feelings of the boats really well, and and also I would just add, I, I ran a kayak school for a few years, where it was my job to actually not let people get ahead of the moment of being uh, enjoy, you know, their first time in the boat. Don't think about how good you're going to be in the rivers you're going to run. Just enjoy the freaking craft. It's beautiful. The water feels so good. I actually found it. It was like, again, it was like me almost trying to cut off goals and just trying to get people in the moment, reduce apprehension or fear, you know, of being in this, in this, in this kayak. And I, I you know, I think it, that feeling of shoving off from the riverbank your first time in a kayak and just feeling you in the water, you're going to feel it one time in your life for the first time, one time. And I know how precious that moment is. And the better job that I do of freeing people from having any expectation of how great they're going to be down line, the more they're going to be in that moment and the more likely that they're going to come back for a second day of kayaking. And when I was in the kayak instruction business and sorry, I kind of pivoted to being an instructor and running a kayak school, Kevin, but really it is such a hard sport to experience success on the first day because it is a hard sport to do that really your only goal of day one is to try to make sure there's a day two. Like there's not an experience so bad on day one that they don't want to come back for a day two. That was it. It was like that simple. And then you start backtracking from there and you go, oh, okay, I, I don't really know if that's a, a goal, but I mean, I guess I am talking, to, I'm sure I'm talking about an outcome, but it is really trying to unweight people and, and get them present and, and in the moment. And um, we can talk more about this. I, 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 There's so many parts of my life that I live like this today. I am so, I don't, I just don't measure things. I mean, you, I think most of you guys know I go for a run almost every day of the week. I haven't taken a measuring device, a phone, a watch, a heart rate monitor on a run in years. And and I mean, we haven't had the chance to really qualify for Boston, but I think I'm doing my best running of my life right now and I measure nothing.
2: Well, but, and that's interesting, right? Because Adam, you always talk about kind of like the dance between, right? And that's what I think we're talking about. I don't think any of us are advocating for not setting goals, really. yeah. but it's just about knowing which one's, which ones to set and when to focus on which ones. And that's one of the things that I think has really been lost from like the original goal three, like lock and them, you know, talking about the do your best learning goals. There's a time and a place for that. And then there's the time and the place for the performance goals and the measurement and seeing where you're at and the feedback and the progress. And I think a lot of times people have just lost that the connection to that of, of that flexibility, but also that we can have different focuses uh, at different times.
1: Go ahead, Kevin, please. I was just going to add up two quick points to uh, to Joe's point. I think that, uh, and he addressed it for the most part, but making a, a, a day two would be the goal of day one. And I was thinking even from the individual's perspective, that first push off, and that goes later to Lauren's point, but that first push off would initially be the goal for the, The brand new person, right? So, and I think to Lauren's point, I think this has been helpful coming at it from not having been involved in the conversations because I was almost in the same position that the listener, many of the listeners, will be. And it's now clear to me that it's it's more. It sounds like the conversation is more, which we've already alluded to, the bastardization of the term than it is the goals themselves being bad because. Um, anyone that's, and I've maybe even macro and micro goals or plan of action would be useful in the sense that Adam's using. But, um, and this isn't just for theater. This is uh, actually, I was trying to get my head around why this didn't make sense, almost to the level that, uh, like saying that I'm not gonna have goals, absolutely, I can't wrap my head around having at least the parts that we're calling process or the micro level goals. I think it's the macro level goals that, to be problematic and not deviating from them once they start. It also sounds like it's potentially problematic.
0: OK, we got a lot to unpack here. So I had Lauren and then Kevin just threw some great <laughs> stuff. I'm always on. Joe here. So so I, I guess I'm going to throw a couple of thoughts. I think off of what Lauren said might relate even to what Kevin just said there a little bit. So I do, Kevin, uh, Lauren, you say we kind of maybe drift away from that original research. See, I'll give a yes, maybe, right? Because I think there's human nature, you used a word that really caught my attention is we like certainty because it gives us comfort. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, you're going in, all of you know me a little bit like, yeah, I'm on Twitter and stuff. I, I'm not super active because I don't like the f- fluff, but someone baited me into going five words on mental performance. And I actually wrote this last year. I'm still happy with it. I've shared it with so many audiences. They're like, oh, I guess that's right. Certainty is uncertain, practice poise. Right? So sometimes we use our goals to give ourselves this certainty and to be able to tell our friends, this is what I'm striving for, and it's just a, a waste. So I think there's the human nature of certainty feels comfortable. If I can sketch it out, I'll get it. i got this clear path, which I think we should be careful with. But we also have to talk about this idea of assessment, right? And assessment makes sense, right? Feedback makes sense. I think it's fair to say we're in a moment in time that it's gone overboard. We can measure everything under the sun, right? And and this is, I I hope people continue to create really cool products that help us thrive. I I, I hope we can better. But like Joe gave the great example there. If I want to measure what I'm doing and compare myself to others all day long, there's an app for that. And someone's telling me that's the way to go about it. Because if you don't go about it that way, you're not using technology, right? You're not using technology, right? So you're not using the app. And for God's sakes, it's, it's like, it makes your head spin. So we've almost gotten this, this moment of analytics, which to me on some ends, and we have a whole other conversation, about, is really cool if done really well. But I think it gets everyone to go down that rabbit hole, right? Joe's a runner. You know? So like, how many runners are monitoring every single thing they did? I had a client yesterday that she, she's wonderful. She got to a wonderful stage of her career. She used to hop on, a, you know, I think it was Peloton, SoulCycle. I'm trying not to promote any one brand. But she was like, <laughs> I'd get on and I'd have to win. And that made me feel great. I have to win. I have to do the right time. And, and she said, and I think part of its pandemic stress has her like trying to see the world differently. She said, I'll tell you, Adam, In the last two or three months, I go for a run. And the goal is to run and have a laugh. I hop on my Peloton. I put on the instructor that makes me laugh. And some days I crush it. And some days I laugh. And I was like, like it was like Trap, Like We got it now. Right, we're not becoming victims or or um, robots of our goals that get in our way. She's like, I want to get out every day and have a laugh. To me, that's a goal, Mm -hmm. but just doesn't feel like a socially acceptable goal in some ways.
3: I I I like that a lot, Adam. And and by the way, you know, I I sometimes I sort of feel that kind of where I live and sort of the way I've set up my life, it's a bit sort of on the extreme side of a lot of people who are focused on on Advancement and performance goals and things like that, but I do say that I kind of live my life a little bit like an experiment, where I hope to take little pieces out that can help people. So if I run, you know, five, six, seven days a week without measuring something, when I transfer this to a corporate client, like we've all had sales and technology leaders who have a dashboard on their computer that's giving them metrics related to goals all the time, and my only question to them is if. You know, you're in the office five days a week, you're probably at the computer a little bit more, but your people are selling, or at least your team is selling for you five days a week. If you're looking at that dashboard five days a week, just tell me if you took a half day out and you could make that dashboard go away and actually just turn the computer, like what would you do with that time? What would you do? And, you know, they might say, I guess I'd probably make some calls to our, our good clients, just, you know, have long conversations. And I'd just be like, well, what, what, why can't we do that? Why do we need these metrics to tell us to do that? Why can't we find these points to just, you know, turn off those metrics so that we become aware of these things that, you know, don't seem very socially acceptable. But if we d- d- actually did this all the time, it would move the needle ahead. One more example that I would give, we work with companies that have super ambitious sales goals, super ambitious. The most, like the one of the books that we read about in Valor Book Club was Mark Benioff's book who has an unbelievable goal-setting system that starts with Mark at the top, the v 2 mom goal-setting system. He sets a huge goal and it has this unbelievable way of flowing down through the system at Salesforce. And they are big goals. And I've had the opportunity to work with Salesforce clients. And I always say, I have no judgment of the goals at Salesforce, starting with Mark's initial goal. My only only objective when I have a client is to help them uh, coexist with. The goals that, that they've that they've chosen to align with, which is starts with Mark's goal in that V two Mom system, which I think is a very clever goal setting system that people should actually check out just for the way and how quickly it flows down through the system from top to bottom once Mark sets that goal. And I guess that's the thing we only if we put ourselves in, and Kevin and this is sort of would be a little bit my my a little bit my I guess my question or almost challenge to some of the things that you said. What if we found ways to run little experiments that were more like turning the dashboards off, turning off the micro goals, you know, one afternoon a week, like, what would you do? Like, what's the first thing? If you turned off the GPS, like, what would you do? And then just try it. Like, it could not hurt. Like, I I don't believe your brain is going to forget what matters most and what you've agreed to do.
1: So, are we talking uh, physical fitness? Are we talking academia? <laughs> are we talking business? What what area?
3: <laughs> These are experiments that I would love to run. My belief is, why couldn't they? Why couldn't they work for Benny Hoff at the top of Salesforce? Like you know, if I asked him to turn off his dashboards a half day a week, and he mm-hmm. already might be ahead of the game on that, he might be in a position where he could do that. I would also ask, what would that look like in academia? If you were a military leader, what would you do? If you were an elite performing, an elite performing athlete, what would you do? I think it's just a question, right?
0: half a day a week, what would you do? For sure. I'm hearing two things, and Joe, I'm gonna build off this because he's making me laugh at the dashboard for a variety of reasons, I, I love it. So, so, so one, I know so often when we're people, I always look at them and, and I can be, I think kindly sarcastic, I think you got relationship issues. And in this instance, I go, I think you've got relationship issues with your goals. And I think a lot of people do, right? (laughs) They set their goals, they stare at it, it stresses them out all year, and they always hit it. I'm like, for God's sakes, that was a lot of stress for always hitting a goal, right? Like, that's a relationship issue to me. So I think Joe's saying one thing, however, anyone listening to this podcast chooses to set goals, let's double check how you carry that relationship. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that feels really important for human being and human thriving. And you got me laughing on the dashboard thing, because part of me thinks as high performers actually, and I'm going to float this idea as an idea out there for everyone, actually kind of shed their goals. And I say this because it was three years ago, I had a gentleman that was doing the dashboard thing. It was so funny. And and Joe and I, there's a reason I, I appreciate Joe so much, just beyond just being a wonderful human, I think we share some philosophies you know i don't know maybe we were separated at birth a long time ago or something <laughs> but and, and i was telling this client he said hey i got my goals on my screen and he didn't have to it wasn't like salesforce it was just i keep it there to make sure my pipeline's good i said what if you got that off your home screen he goes i think everything would be okay <laughs> so he took it off the home screen took it off continued to thrive and continued to good do good stuff but it's funny, I just talked to him a week ago. So now I've known him for three years. We, we touched base and he had himself all tangled up because he was like, what's my next role in this company? I'm like, I think you replaced your dashboard for your next role all of a sudden. <laughs> and he started laughing. He's like, God, that has been staring me in the face for months. I'm like, it feels like you put it on your computer screen. He goes, I think I maybe have to shed what's my next role and get back to doing curious, creative work. And that's how I love to thrive. And that's how the next role shows up. And it's funny, right? Just I, I think maybe we're shedding what's I don't know, society sounds so grand and dramatic. We're shedding what we think are supposed to be our goals, and replacing them with this more curiosity approach, this curious approach, and this, hey, what do I want to attack now? Right? It's, it it lacks the rigidity. So relationship issues and shedding goals. So I'm stealing from Joe today.
2: <laughs> I think the rigidity certainly is a kind of key theme, right? That keeps coming up as we're talking, but. What you were just talking about there i agree i think a lot of times goals become the thing that we're just chasing right and and we're socialized that way right like as soon as you get into school it's like okay well you got to get this grade and get to the next grade and then the next and then where are you going to college and then what are you doing for a living and you're just and in sport it's the same thing right? developing fun you know beating this time all that so i think we just get into this process of like having we don't realize that as humans, we always have stuff that we're looking for in front of us. And that can be just enjoyment, right? I just want to enjoy the day, or it can be something more targeted, right? And something specific we're going after. But when we find ourselves trying to chase that, I think then we, we get used by our goals, right? And it just has an impact that Mm -hmm. isn't going to be helpful for us. And Kev, I know you're thinking like, Deliberate practice, unders Right? Like, how
1: no, how actually, do we make
2: sure that we're like going after? You know, striving for something.
1: Well, you can wipe that off the slate, but I do have a question about the uh, if you're targeting you. I forgot the phrasing you used. It was targeting something you're uh, approaching or chasing with. Semantically, how does that differ from a goal? And what is the replacement if you're allowing your like, I'm not saying there's a problem necessarily with taking that approach. I just don't understand how it works so for the professional athlete that's taking the approach of Joe and just not taking metrics or the academic. If I don't meet the tenure requirements, I'm not in the job anymore. Or personally, if I want to encourage or develop savings. If I, I'm, I know personally, if I'm not actively doing certain things, nothing will be saved. So I'm just curious as what the actual real world replacement would be for this idea. I, I, I'm so
3: sorry to interrupt, but why? Wednesday. My I guess my question is, how is it helping you to focus on on the tenure thing? Like, I mean, are you? I mean, are you going to forget <laughs> that? I mean, I, I mean, I said that so respectfully, Kevin, but uh, or not, the or saving the money. I mean, are you? I mean, are you going to go out and start spending it all? I mean, I, 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 I'm just, you know, this is this is my point. I think where are we willing to actually run, exper- like the smallest experiments? Like, I, I don't, I'm not saying start, like, get rid of all your metrics, like the way I do with running and you can be sure the reason i run the way i do today is because there was a time in my life where oh my gosh it was the opposite where i measured everything and i went extreme the other side and now it's just in that in and actually in your question what is that smallest step that you could take that would like let go of that where you you know you could actually trust that Not thinking about that tenure piece or not thinking about that savings piece, or um, that actually might actually help put you in a better position of flow or in a better position of performance, or uh, that might actually move you forward anyway. Go ahead, Lauren.
2: well, I think this goes back to Adam's point about your relationship with your goals, right? Because that really indicates what impact they're going to have on you, right? Whether it's on your focus, on your stress, and it really goes back to that human nature point. Is it a threat that you're like trying to make sure you don't lose you know, this opportunity, right? Or is it a challenge that you're trying to go after something and approach something? And we know that there are differences in how we show up and how we will perform and what, how we will grow and learn, and all these things depending on that relationship and the impact of the mindset we have about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it.
1: So, to, yeah, I don't know if your experience on the tenure track, I, Adam, were you on the tenure track at one point?
0: No, I was not. No, I'm. I'm my hands dirty in the applied world. You know? I've watched the tenure it Sounds lovely though. You know, if could be tenure in any of my jobs, my stress would go down some days. But yeah. I'm told I'm not supposed to stress because I keep collecting jobs.
1: Um, yeah, well, it's uh, it's potentially more stressful before you get it because it's a, applying for your same job every year. But it's uh, but that's why I would have a hard time. You have to, and maybe that's just the the gist of it. Maybe it's someone is to borrow your term has a different relationship with the goals, but um, it, it, it seems impossible to be on a tenure track without having a, by this point in my, by this point in the year, I will have this done. I'll have that point, or even working on a dissertation. If I don't do 12 pages a day of writing, there's no way I'll finish by the deadline. It just are those goals that would also be antithetical to the, sorry.
0: That's all right. I think I'm going to throw a month. thought out here, right? Like I, While it sounds so dramatic, I I feel like Lauren and Joe have sounded dramatic today. Lauren's radical and Joe is like living this completely carefree goal life where he has no, no, carries no responsibilities and just floats around like some sort of hippie that doesn't care. Neither one of those are true. I don't think Lauren's nearly as radical and Joe is actually a responsible adult. Let's just be honest here. Let's start there. Um, I think it's, it's just probably the semantics of goals, right? It's that word that gets us in trouble. I will go back to relationship, but to nudge the conversation further, and I'm dreading throwing this word out there. There's another word that can make me batty these days. It's process. Hmm. For God's sakes, everyone says focus on the process, but guess what? Whenever anyone focuses on the process, they're actually talking about the outcomes. If you listen to them closely. But I think really what Joe is talking about, what I think I'm talking about, I think Lawrence talking about, I think what you're talking about, Kevin, is actually understanding that the process is a goal. Right. So you said something that's near and dear to my heart, right? Like saving. You know, I am, I care. I want to be able to retire. I want to make sure, you know, my daughter is well taken care of and we we live a nice life. Right. And, and I hope this doesn't, and I might over tilt on that sometimes. So I'm like, I actually don't have an exact dollar number in mind because I don't know what that is. I might ask a financial planner and someone will say it's high, someone will say it's low, but I do know Again, I you know I run my own businesses, so I'm responsible for my retirement. It's like third Thursday every month gets that amount of money. That's a goal, but it's what I do, right? It's, it's a doing. Mm-hmm. To me, it's noticing the doing, leaning into the doing, and loving the doing, for lack of a word. And I know that sounds hokey, but it's like on the tenure process... You, you can't control what gets published. You can give it a pretty good fighting chance. Maybe you can find a journal that's a little bit weaker. That's like, oh, I can sneak that one in there. But it, it is about, hey, did I get this number of pages done. And does that suit me? And I lean in and do those pages with a pr- level of presence, right? Because I think that's the tie, too, we have to talk to, right? Goals also need to have emotion with them. Yeah. And I think that's when Joe talks about being present, it's being emotionally there, right? That's a goal. Push off the dock and check things out. To me, that's a goal, but sometimes we forget that that's actually a goal to allow ourselves to let go and mean it. So yeah, it's a, it's a quick thought there. Yeah. I said process. No, but I
2: think to tie the two, what you're both saying, so you were just talking about the doing, Adam, I think, Joe, what you talk about is like the being, like, who do you want to be and what do you want it to be like as you're going through this? And I think those are just the things that we forget about when we have these pressures, or when goals turned into pressures and expectations, we lose that focus of like, yeah, but what do I have to do? Like, I remember when when I first moved here to just try and be a consultant in New York City like a crazy person you know I would I obviously had to be very considerate of finances and worried about that and would shift into the pressure of that and I remember I was just focusing on the doing like I would have these like zero dollar weeks literally like can I just have you know, four or five days where I'm not spending money. That's that's my goal right now to be in a good financial position. I have a several, as many as I can, zero dollar days in a week. That was the goal, right? Because <laughs> it's something that I can do rather than focusing on this big thing that turns into, you know, what I have to do and this pressure of it. I'm
0: going to throw a wild question out there. Maybe I I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to be the questioner. I think that's Lauren's <laughs> job, I'm going to throw a question out Please there. Do. And to keep this nudging, because I think we've circled around some good stuff. I, I have this curious question that sits in the back of my head. Um, a elite, If we go back to athletes, right? We're, we're athletes, we like to think about elite athletes or elite performers. How often has a rigid approach to one's goals actually capped one's potential? Yeah. Because I got to say every now and then I'm curious. I'm like, yeah, you got there, but I think you had more in the tank, but you were rigid and you got so married to that. It caught you up and stuff. I'm like, you actually put a ceiling on by the way you carried your goals rather than in some ways, what Joe's saying opened up a world of potential. And again, I know we're talking nuances, right? It's like. You know, some folks, it's like, yeah, you gridded your way to the gold medal. Maybe you could have gotten the gold medal even more joyously. I like, it's like, for God's sakes, right? We're talking millionaires and billionaires in the sporting world, right? Of how they win. But I, I, I get concerned about how we carry goals as a capping of potential sometimes. And that seems ridiculous, it seems unfortunate.
2: I also think we lose sight of the individual differences, right? Like many, I think less people are familiar with the idea of goal styles and that article that was written several years ago, proposing a model about that we have different styles and different orientations and, you know, self-esteem, all these things tie in. So that's what I'm always interested about too, is like what, what brand, what version of goals is right for you? at what time for what reason, right? And so that's where I think to me, it, it ties back to you know, the, the focus of our podcast, Kevin, and coming from Anders is like, Anders was focused on deliberate practice and trying to get to excellence. And what do we have to do to try and become expert at something, right? And so, okay, so what do we have to understand about what goals might look like as we're trying to build something and whether that's something specific and tangible or something more, you know, some adaptive expertise that might look a little bit different. Um, but Adam, as you were just talking about, once you get to a particular level, it's that old adage, right, what got you here won't get you there. So now what do we focus on?
1: Might be an odd time to bring this up, but I'm actually on the same page as everyone. It was the my hang up apparently I feel very comforted. Comforted now. But my, uh, my. How we comforted Kevin? Was that the goal? of <laughs> the goal. So you We need
3: we, a good we, hug, we, Kevin. Kevin a really a hug, Kevin. Poor Kevin.
1: I'll come into a hug, yeah. But I think, um, as being in the shoes of the listener, it would have been confusing had we not gotten to the, at least in my mind, to the point where we called all of those things goals, with the acknowledgement or the asterisk that we're asterisk that we're treating it differently for the conversation that's been having been had. And so I think now that whatever language we use for those smaller scale steps, I agree that one should not lim- not corner the put themselves in a corner by setting too rigid of a goal. I think they should develop the skill that they now know better to assess, you know, individual differences that Lauren is talking about. Or this is not working for me, and because I shouldn't bang my head against the wall for ten additional months because I thought I should do this. I should actually have the skills to step back and say what well, works better, or be in the moment. Uh, but that might be, you know, to me, it's. It didn't register in my mind to saying that the not spending money this week is not a goal. Uh, we can agree that we can use a different word, but to, originally the listener. Would have been confused that that was what we're saying was the goal setting is not just the gold medal or the ultimate end goal i think is what needed clarification in my mind to be comfortable
2: i think that's adam your one of your points you made right is a lot of this is about the language and the the mental model that's been built uh in, in each of us and across society when we think about this word goal right and what it's come to mean
0: no i think that's very fair it's, it's uh gets used 50 million ways,
1: you know. To Joe's point, I've almost driven myself crazy with goals that I wish that I would have taken the approach that he's suggesting. <laughs> Just letting more things happen naturally and not feeling like I'm, I don't know, going to be in a panic if uh, this doesn't happen this week or the next week even. So well, I think it's admirable and a good suggestion to take these uh, these steps.
3: You know Kevin, it's interesting and and i I think that you also know from our first conversation, you know I'm heavily influenced by my surroundings here in the Catalan Pyrenees, and these words simple, slower and less, that is really a way of life where where I, I live here. And I have this conversation with coaching clients uh, that I, I always make the acknowledgement that it, that you know I, I have no aspirations to. Manage a team, or to lead, grow a company, or do any of those things, and 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 I say I, to these people who have those responsibilities, I, I am so much <laughs> less than you on this point. But then I think as we sort of build the the trust in this kind of coaching relationship, that I think sometimes I almost feel a little bit like that I represent a little bit of their the white space in their life to step back and think about it that way. That it kind of it sort of hit me in the last. Um, you know, working with a lot of sales and technology clients since December and January, and just the, just the the goals that are around them at these sales and technology companies, really big ambitious goals, and their coexistence with them and, and how to get where they want. And how can we really figure out what those tiny little experiments look like? Again, I'm not trying to get them to live like the way we live here in the Catalan Pyrenees not a way of life, but what does it look like to reflect, to uh, use that simple, slower and less way of life we have here as a point of reflection through the problems and the opportunities that you're looking at in your life. And I can also say that even if you have aspirations to perform really well, like at the Olympic level or at a sales and technology level, that, I mean, I do know that even improving technique, practicing deliberately is not just, you know, learning technique at fast race pace. It is going, moving um, a a canoe and kayak paddle motion really, really slowly through the water so that you intuitively understand how a paddle moves through the water. And if you're thinking like gold medal and, and, it's competition, pace, and results, and mindsets. It's just interrupting the mechanics of how the good stuff really works and feels. So I, I am, I'm always just trying to sit here with you know with these clients, represent that white space a little bit more white space in their life, so that we can break something down and find what the experiment is like. Well, what what does that look like if we sort of let go of that? Like, what would you do? How would you solve it? You know, if you, you know, if you didn't have the, the, the normal goal feedback metrics and yeah, that's just always what I, the way I'm thinking about the approach to the people that are thinking about this much, much faster and more aggressively than I tend to think about it.
2: I think that speaks to something I talk with clients a fair bit about is this idea of the power of the and, right? Like we can be striving and working towards something and we can also be thinking about how we want to be throughout that process and when we're kind of on the right track and when we're on the wrong track and, you know, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think that ties back to Adam, something you were saying about this idea of thriving and trying to, you know, get to our potential or increase our potential rather than cap it, right? Like goals, I think sometimes can be really stifling and limiting and put you in survival mode rather than, you know, be put you in a, a mode of thriving and a locking potential. So again, my point is, I don't think any of us are saying don't set goals. It's just be less rigid, be a little bit more open and, you know, to the idea that they can look a lot of different ways and you can, you can approach them in a lot of different ways.
0: I think that's a great point, right? Like this is going to sound so sport competitive to me. Like I actually think you know, perhaps rigid goals can get you to be an expert. I think there's a whole nother level. I'm greedy. I am I'm <laughs> greedy, right? You get there, there's another level there. And, and, and that does take reflection going, how do I go about this? And that's like anything in life, right? We get to a spot and we probably want to reflect on, is there another way to do this? And would I like another way to do it? Because you don't have to, to Joe's point in some ways, like, hey, if you do you. And there may be some other options if you consider that white space, but I do think, I think you can get pretty, we've seen it in sports, right? You can, um, you can grind your way to a certain level. And I can assure you this from like 25 years of serving athletes. I just feel fortunate that being around, there's a point where you can't grind your way to that next level. Mm-hmm. You've got to find another approach. And that doesn't mean you're not going to work hard. You're going to work plenty hard, but it's just not going to be the same way that got you to expertise. I think sometimes reflecting and reconsidering our goals actually takes us to the next level, frankly. But that's me just being a greedy, competitive guy, I guess.
1: I agree 100%. I think that's the nature of it. I he you just it. agree that I'm a greedy, competitive guy? I'm <laughs> saying she barely even knows me.
2: Uh,
1: no, that's the, uh, that getting to that next level and always having to reassess and go to the next, potentially next uh thing to try to improve performance i was agreeing 100 with that particular part i know i'm just it's just me
2: (laughs) no but i think it's interesting i have a couple clients right here i'm working with who are trying to think about you know next phases of their career and we've really gelled at least from my vantage point because they're similar to me in that they weren't the draw line in the sand this is what i'm going after for my career they were similar to how i was where it was just like an opportunity presented itself thought about whether or not you wanted to go after that opportunity went after that opportunity another opportunity and you just and we've had people like that on the podcast right Kev that they didn't set out necessarily you know to end up where they are they just kept rolling with opportunities and moving forward but inevitably there comes this point where you gotta think about okay so now what and my question to them is always Do you want to continue along that path? Like, is that what you want or need now? Do you want or need to change? Right? Like, there's no, there's no formula that we're trying to get to. It's trying to figure out like, what do you want and need, and what's going to help you get there.
1: To me, that alludes to or ties back to Joe's point about, I guess, both Adam and Joe's point about being in the moment and kind of just taking it more slowly and a lot of those cases the folks were just ended up focusing on what they were doing decided they were just only going to focus on what they were doing and that's when the opportunities actually started to expand so i think joe was alluding to that earlier in the sense that if you remove all the other baggage and just focus on what it is that you quote love in their cases then that actually improved performance to the degree that they weren't getting when they were actually maybe setting up some parameters around themselves so yeah
3: you know kevin i would say i think about this sometimes that you know that i think to adam's point that i don't want it to come across that like there, there's not a place for goals as much as a place to let go of goals but you know i think about the way i've been kind of um doing my morning routine now for a lot of years i've been doing it for a lot of years a certain way and i think a little bit sometimes about like why why i do it why i get out of bed and, and i go through the pretty elaborate routine that takes a while i mean it i have a certain way that that i do things and, and of course you know it has to be about things that about the way i feel and the way i want to feel those are sort of the controlling the controllable parts and then there are relationship parts of it too that there are moments that I want to experience with other people who mean a great deal to me and kind of putting myself in the best position to do that. But it's almost that it's not like I have to think about that or I have, I don't have to like pin a picture of that up on the mirror or words, you know, to do it. Um, It is, I, it's just, ultimately, there are things about the way I kind of organize my first couple it ends up being the first couple hours of the day, that, that's more, more time than a lot of people have to invest in this kind of thing. Things like, you know, meditation and journaling and going for a run and doing some yoga, it, you know, it, it, it's pretty elaborate. But at the end of the day, that um, the way I do those things, it is... Um, I, they're not like, it's not exactly like checking boxes either. And when I do go for the run, I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to nature. I, I, and I, I, I know I'm, I, I can just tell just by the way I end up thinking about the times of my day where I want to be in, in, in good mindset, good, like a, like this was one of these parts of my day where I wanted to bring my best for, foot forward but I knew that there were parts of the day that I had to really come down see if I wanted to be up, you know, for this conversation and, and do that. And I don't know. It just still never feels really like, like goals to me. I mean, so much of it is so unstructured and just feeling, I guess at the end of the day, the last time I was in the United States, the last time I was in the U.S., I was actually with Adam. Um, right. we were, we were doing a valor professional day in uh, June of 2019 and Adam did a, a Did a a talk around Valor's core competencies. It was called uh, "From Awareness to Optimism," and you know, this made so much sense to me. That so much of what we're talking about starts with awareness. Like everyone wants to like debate, like where does all this start? And it really does start the moment you become aware. And I would only sort of say that somewhere, if you, I think as humans, if we can move that moment that we become aware very aligned with a form of being gentle and kind with ourselves this process becomes a whole lot more enjoyable and a lot easier to manage
1: well said
0: perfectly said (laughs) it's like
2: a
1: mic drop right there
2: (laughs) I (laughs) i
1: do want to throw one more question out there and we can edit it out if you uh don't want to answer it but what is the joe and adam what are your takes on Those, particularly for youth athletes, those uh, drill type camps, what do you think about those and how does it fit into your outlook?
0: Adam? He leaned to me. um, I I think enthusiasm should lead the way and that's enthusiasm of the kid, not the parent or the system around it. Um, I think there's no need to ever overdo them. And I think an adult should be careful letting their child overdo them for mental and physical reasons, right? Um, I think when I think developmentally about goals and learning and development, I always feel like, and again, it might I don't know where it fits in this conversation perfectly, but a childlike approach to performance is gold. And I fear when we start to knock that out of people because it does happen. Right, but we don't want that to happen too quickly. Right. I, I even with my elite athletes, it's like play like a child, prepare like a professional. And I fear some of these rigid camps are having someone act like a professional, and who do I get ahead of and why do I get ahead? Am I good enough? Right. Joe talks about the idea of self-forgiveness, right? It becomes this judgy junk as opposed to am I curious, exploring, and playing. And I can assure you, the best athletes I've worked with. That's how they've gotten to where they're at, by being curious, playful, and exploring. Joe Joe's a great example, right? The guy's got a gold medal. He did all right for himself, <laughs> you know and, and I think to me when I think about those camps, if it starts to rob someone of that, i I get concerned because to me that's that's not a very good long game it's as a human. I don't think anyone deserves that. Mm-hmm. I,
3: I'll jump in with a, a a really cool story about this, Kevin. Uh, I mentioned that when I was really young. That I found myself into this amazing training group on the Potomac River in Washington DC. The amazing thing about paddling on the Potomac River in Washington DC was not only was there this amazing training site on this canal they're uh, called the Feeder Canal, but just below Great Falls there's the river is really big and there's some really when the water levels right, there are some really big standing waves that are the best some of the best surfing waves for canoeing and kayaking in, in the United States. I remember, like, it, you have to imagine, like, how cool it was to go to a workout when you're 14 years old, and John Lugbill, the world champion, is there, or Davey Hearn, Davey Hearn, the world champion, is there. And you show up, and at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and John Lugbill says to you, what are you doing here? And, like, this is, like, it just, you're 14, like, you feel that in your gut when the world champion says that to you. And I'm like, where should I be? He says, why aren't you out surfing on the waves with the, you know, with everyone else? Like you shouldn't be here doing gates with us, doing drills. You should be out surfing waves. I was like, that was like an, Oh my God moment, you know? And I, after that, you know, it was like every time the river level hit, we knew what the exact level was 4.2 in the little falls gauge for Rocky Island and about, you know, three and a half feet for observation deck. You know, when we, there was like a, a phone number you called with this computerized voice in the 1980s. It would actually tell you what the river level was. And yeah, when it hit that level, it was like, we're not going to the gates today. We're going to go surfing and have fun. And that was a part of that culture that I wasn't seen at 14 years old. I needed the world champion to tell me that. And it, that was, that was a, it like hurt. Like I was like, if I'm not supposed to be here, where should I be? And why is the world champion having to educate me about this? Like it, you know, you don't want the best guy in the world to talk to you like that. Like, why did you make the wrong decision? So that's it would would be my would would be my my take, and why probably you know has a huge effect. And you know, I I don't I don't think Scott and I could have won the Olympics. Like at least my contribution to you know my part in to winning a gold medal at the Olympic Games, it could not have happened. Without like freaking loving, loving surfing waves on the Potomac River
2: I, and I that to me has always been the missing mark here as we focus on the goals, we forget the why, like what is the point of goals? The point of goals is these bigger picture things, it's about motivation, it's about confidence, it's about emotion, it's about you know putting ourselves in a position to thrive and grow, it's about focus, like that's the point, so. It's a it's a tool, not this, you know, thing that it's become, I think. At least that's how I see it. I
1: think that's fair. Well, thanks everyone for uh joining us today. I'm probably gonna drop my goal now of being a model. So <laughs> I'm switch gears a little bit. It might happen now that I drop it, but uh, uh I changed up my Brad Pitt joke, Lauren. You'll be happy.
2: So. <laughs> I was going to say, what happened to the goal of of being Brad Pitt? <laughs>
1: well, thanks again, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank good
0: you time. all. This was a blast. It was good to
1: see all of you.
2: Thanks so, so much Thank to, to the so two much. of you for another amazing conversation.
1: The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman. Created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled. All rights reserved.